I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everyone, you are now listening to the Land Great Holy Land Recruiting Podcast State Secrets with Patrick Yen, Jay Collar, and Ken James. Hey everybody! We are back for another edition of State Secrets, recording on November 23rd, 2019. And we're just here to get this podcast done so we can get ready for this Penn State game, man. Yeah, big game. I'm I'm super excited about it, hearing everything on the way into the studio today. It's just pregame's getting me pumped up. I'm ready to go. And this game is just so, so important for so many reasons. And one of the big ones is just the effect it'll have on recruiting. When you have yep. top 10 matchups... At home, this is really where you can make your mark on some of these guys. Yeah, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but there's a lot of top, top guys that both of these schools are going after, and this direct head-to-head win makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, just last week we saw Maryland, a Maryland guy decommit after seeing OSU beat up on him. Right, during the game. During the game. So, I mean, if Penn State comes out here and gets blown out, you know, 56-7, to it's going to be hard if you're choosing between Penn State and Ohio State to be like, yeah, I want to go to the team that just got destroyed. At that point, you want to say, I want to go to the better team. Well, how can you justify the better team being Penn State, right? Right. So, we're going to get started with, as we normally do with Friday Night Fighters, and we only do Friday Night Fighters when there's just something spectacular that happened. Right. Jackson Smith and Jigba has been one of those guys that's been on here a couple times, and he just did it again. Absolutely unreal game. So second round of the Texas playoffs, his Rockwell team is playing Allen. They hung on to win 60-59, to so that was a crazy game. Yeah. And a lot of those 60 points were scored by Smith and Jigba by himself. He had 15 catches for 252 yards and five touchdowns. And, oh, yeah, and he added another one on the ground. So six total touchdowns for this guy. Which is just I don't I don't even know. And this is a playoff game. Right. This is not some joke of a school or no, you know, no, it's no. not not trying to throw shade at Julian Fleming, but you know, Julian Fleming playing two A Pennsylvania. Yeah, this like is nobody. Texas. This is Texas, which is a famous right, you know, breeding ground for high level players. This is the playoffs in six A, so it's the the biggest schools and he goes out in there and does this. And some of these games are happening, you know, at stadiums that hold 50, 60,000 people for high schools. Not only does he he do does he does all that and then he also enters into the Texas record books. I mean, he was already there, but sure, he, yeah. He gets another little thing next to his name. He became the third player in Texas high school history to have more than 5,000 career yards. So, once again, the storied history of Texas high school football is crazy and he's yeah. inarguably one of the best wide receivers of all time out of there. So that that's going to be it for Friday Night Fighters. I mean, there's a couple guys out there still competing for state championships. Yeah. Obviously, Rockwall is right. going to be doing that. And uh, a team of a guy we're going to talk about right now is also still in there. Yeah, We're going to do our recruiting spotlight, a bit of a dual recruiting spotlight this time. And it's right. going to be on the quarterbacks that we currently have coming in. That's going to be Jack Miller and Kyle McCord. So running through their basic stats, Jack Miller, he's our 2020 guy, four-star <laughs> 9138 composite, 6'3, 210, number 10 pro style quarterback in the class. Then we got Kyle McCord. He's the 2021 four star, 0.9817 composite, 6'3, 204, 
number five pro style quarterback in the class. So there's already kind of a difference in the composite score right there. Yeah. You know, both four stars, but that's kind of a kind of a big difference. Yeah, and one of the things that really shocked me here is with Jack Miller, when he was first graded out, he was the 47th overall recruit in the class. Currently, you look at him, he's number 457. That doesn't usually happen just because of injury. There's been, I don't want to say regression, but it's possible that he was overranked to begin. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go through their high school career and, and maybe see where that overranking may have come from. So. Right. Uh, last two years, 2018, the team went 5-6. and six. They lost in the first round of the Arizona 6A playoffs. 55% completion, 2,431 yards, 27 touchdowns, just six interceptions, but he only played in eight games because he had a knee injury that took him out the rest of the season. Right. And this is for the uh, Chaparral Firebirds. And then this year, the team went 8-3. and three. They lost in the first round again, unfortunately. Only has seven games because he had a shoulder injury in the middle of the season that kind of right. took him out for a large part of the well, not a large part, but like a third of the season, essentially, right there in the middle. 59% completion, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. And two of those came in his last game of the season against the number one team in Arizona. So he also had two rushing touchdowns on the year. So for me, these stats, the completion percentage is not mind-blowing, but I feel like it's pretty normal for high school quarterbacks. You're still so raw at that age. Yeah, and so is everybody else around you, which really affects your your personal stats as the quarterback. Right, but I think the the big thing that sticks out to me in a positive sense is the interceptions. It's a it's a very low amount of interceptions. Yeah, and as we'll see here in a second, that number has gone in the right direction. Right. So, where that ranking may have come from when he was the number forty seven player in the class, like you said, was yeah. his freshman year was really good from a raw statistics standpoint. Right. right. He had three thousand six hundred fifty three yards and fifty three touchdowns, passing yeah, touchdowns. That's crazy. I don't care what state or division you're in that's that's a ton of touchdowns i mean 53 touchdowns is is some people's careers right right right? he's doing that as a a freshman in high school yeah which is insane he did have 15 interceptions though i mean he threw the ball way more than he has yeah just those stats show you how much they were throwing the ball for whatever reason his freshman year right but i mean i feel like oh man when you see a freshman throw 53 that's that's something else. and it goes to show that the coaches really thought they had something really special wanted to let him get out there and spin it that's true. All right, so let's move on to Kyle McCord playing for the St. Joseph's Prep Hawks. And the one thing I'll, the one disclaimer I'll make is uh, the Chaparral Firebirds, not exactly a ton of team success. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that could be reflective of Jack Miller versus Kyle McCord and their abilities. But honestly, I think it's just the team is a lot worse in Chaparral because St. Joseph Preps, uh, they're like the powerhouse right. of Pennsylvania football. I think they've been in the last six state championships or something or four of the last six state championships they've been in and i think they won two of them right so and they're heading towards there again so team success it's going to be very different but let's not you know it's not just because the quarterbacks there. definitely not yeah all right so uh that being said in 2018 there they won the philadelphia he or kyle mccord won the philadelphia catholic mvp on route to the 6a state championship like we we're talking about yep. 66.5 percent completion 2883 yards and 335 touchdowns which the yards was a team record and we just talked about how storied the team is yeah so great season there 2019 this is his junior year now he won the MVP again. He's the only player in Pennsylvania Catholic League history to win it twice before his senior season. So, I mean, he can go for the three-peat next year. <laughs> uh, team is currently in the 6A semifinals and hasn't had much trouble so far. But he actually has missed the playoff game. Both playoff games they played so far due to a knee injury. So, kind of some injury concerns there maybe. But 
Um, from what I read, they don't know exactly what it is. They haven't really released it, but it, he's day to day apparently. Although that's been two weeks, he's been day to day. So, yeah, and it's good for them. You know, they if if Kamakord can't go, they apparently have somebody else waiting in the wings who they trust. Yeah, they're actually using a wide receiver, converted wide receiver out there, and he's not really throwing the ball, but they're still winning. Goes to show some of the team strength. That they yeah, have I mean, let's not forget they have Marvin Harrison Jr. Right on that team. So uh, he's got he had. He's probably going to finish out the season with 59% completion, 2,339 yards, and 31 touchdowns. Also had two rushing touchdowns there. So, I mean, pretty similar stats both years. The percentage did take a big dip, though. Mm-hmm. But I think 665 is, like, an outlier on the high end. And probably 59% is probably pretty standard. 5960. Right. Um, on the analysis side, uh, I know you got a lot more than me, Jake, but I'll, I'll go ahead and and see and give you what I saw. Yeah. Honestly, these guys seem pretty similar. I mean, you can just tell by the size: six three two ten, six three two zero four. They're not runners either. They're classic pocket quarterbacks. They're much more your Dwayne Haskins uh, than your Justin Fields or your you know yeah. Braxton Millers for sure. Um, they both got that prototypical size that you want. You always want over six six foot, and these guys clear it pretty pretty handily. Yep. Um, Jack Miller from our own Land Grant Holy Land, actually, they did a little bit of an analysis on him when he was a sophomore. Pretty much the summary was arm talent in terms of strength, it's good, but it's not necessarily elite. Where he has that elite, uh, the elite numbers is his his touch and his accuracy. And I think you can see that in the interceptions, the very low interceptions that he's had in his career. Yeah. For Kyle McCord, he does have a 247 scouting report being a little bit of a higher profile prospect of the two. Uh, they said he's got a wide-shouldered frame with good height and size, strong arm and accurate, spins ball well, poised under pressure, great leadership qualities, plays with high IQ, can throw 15-yard out on line, touch to throw over linebackers on intermediate routes, has quick release with good arm angle, fits balls into tight windows, accurate throwing on the run, moves in pocket, extend plays, needs to continue to develop escapability, more consistency needed on deep balls. Yeah, and as I was doing, you know, a little research for the show, for the podcast here, I, I went through and kind of compared the two through their highlight videos and just kind of what you see when you, you take away everybody else, just watching the quarterbacks do their thing. And we talked about the fallen Jack Miller's ranking, which doesn't usually happen based on injury, so we'll see what that means. Jack Miller, while having all of the scholarship offers you would want, your Alabama's, LSU's, it wasn't quite the same list that Kyle McCord had. There was a couple other national powers for him. I saw a little thing that concerned me a little bit. Even in the highlight reels, he was inaccurate short. He he had a lot of balls thrown behind receivers on open crossing routes, things like that. But he did seem to be very accurate at 15 yards and longer. When he's throwing more than 15 yards in there, he seems really accurate. Kyle McCord... The, the biggest knock I saw on him, and it's not necessarily knock, but he didn't seem to always be able to set his feet properly before he threw the ball. Not a lot of, you know, they talk about put your digging your back foot and drive. There wasn't a lot of that going on. I will say one of the big things I agree with here with this 24-7 recruit is um, he is good in the pocket but has limited escapability. It didn't seem like he was really willing to jump out of the pocket and start running, even when there was a ton of room in front of him. But he was good at stepping up in the pocket and Mm -hmm. finding room in the pocket to find an angle to throw. Very, very accurate. 
Like I said, he can't extend high school plays left to right, but he's not going to be able to do that and, and against a team like Penn State or somebody like that. But uh, he does seem to have great pocket awareness. So, um, they're like you said, they're pretty similar. And I don't want to seem like I'm knocking either of them because either of them under Ryan Day could become elite national talents. Um, but Kyle McCord has another year to hone his skills. So we'll see what that means going forward. But if if you'll allow me, Pat, I'm going to make a, a hot take here. Um, I really think Jack Miller's going to be a, a transfer portal guy. I think he's going to come in. He's going to have to sit behind Justin Fields, obviously. Mm. And then just watching the two, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Kyle McCord could overtake him. Just the rankings are higher. Some of the some of the things I see in Kyle McCord are a little more polished already with another year of high school under his belt. We're yet to go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that in two seasons we're gonna be talking about Jack Miller jumping in the transfer portal. All right, but with that, we are going to take a quick break. I hope you guys enjoyed our little, you know, dual pre or dual spotlight. Right. I guess on the quarterback on the quarterback future here. I mean, obviously the the immediate future will be Justin Fields again, which is I'll take that. Yeah, which is awesome. But these are <laughs> going to be the guys who are going to hopefully carry the torch, you know, from here on out. But we're going to take a quick break, guys. We will join you in a second. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back after a short commercial break with more of your favorite Ohio State recruiting podcasts. It's the best one out there. I mean, that's the best Clearly. one I've ever heard. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to this week's New Warriors. And for the first time since we've been doing this podcast, there is none. No new commits, no new offers as far as I know. All right, so we're going to move on from there. We're going to go to the front page in Rumor Mill. Uh, just a couple guys putting OSU in their top sevens and, and things like that. I mean, this is a every week thing because – yeah, you know when you're pairing your schools down to just ten, or like to as many as ten, or even you know seven or whatever it ends up being, I think you're doing yourself a disservice if OSU is not at least in the consideration. Right. So Kay Denhoff puts OSU in his top seven, 2021 number eight strong side defensive end, and Gabriel Stevens puts OSU in his top 12, 2021 four star number 18 athlete. All right, we're gonna move on to a, a really interesting story and what could be a really cool story for OSU if it yeah. actually does happen. Rivals.com, they do their little roundtable. Rivals.com, one of the biggest recruiting websites. Yeah, and, you know, it's probably them and two four seven. Yeah, are are the big two. I would say. I don't know if you would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, Rivals um, has the has the scout and the two four seven. Those are kind of the big ones, and you know, max preps for while they're in high school. Yeah. So Rivals.com, they had they had their little roundtable. They were talking about which wide receivers are going to maybe get that five-star designation because, like we talked about last week, 
there is one more kind of uh, movement period left this year, right? Where the a lot of you know stars are going to be moved. A lot of people are going to move up and down. Troy Stilato is one of these guys that we talked about a lot. Right. Where he's almost definitely going to move up. Uh, but G. Scott Jr. and Jason Smith and Jigba both got both wide receivers, four stars currently, high four stars. Right. Both committed to OSU. These were the two most mentioned names by a panel of rival scouts. There was I think like eight of them. I think at least like six of them mentioned G. Scott Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba as the most likely receivers to earn that fifth star. You're talking about two guys who may be five-star wide receivers. Oh, wait, we already have the, depending on where you're looking, number one or number three overall player coming in who's an, also a five-star wide receiver in Julian Fleming. This could be a lot of trouble for the Big Ten and national teams here in the next few years. Right. I mean, you got to be looking at this if you're another team. And you're like, this is ridiculous. Going into a little bit more about their, their fifth-star designation, according to the, the rival scouts, G has the athleticism for it for sure, like all the measurables you could yeah, ever want, but definitely. maybe not quite the ridiculous numbers that you might want from a five-star. But if he can you know, turn it up in, in the playoffs, I believe they're still in. You know, that can easily change. And then Najigba is kind of the opposite where he's got the numbers in spades. I mean, we already read it out to you. Yeah, he's melting record books. What, what he's doing out there, it's just unreal. He's got multiple games with over, like, four touchdowns receiving, which, you know, you can go a whole career, NFL career even, and never have a four-touchdown right. game. He's got multiple this season. But maybe Najigba doesn't have quite the raw physical tools that you would want from a prospect because – you know, numbers and are only one thing, you know, because the competition you're playing against is just going to be much lower than it is in college, right? It's right. just the further you go, the more that funnel kind yeah. of tightens. So you don't necessarily only want to trust numbers, but, I mean, when you got numbers like this. Right, so both of these guys look out for them to possibly get a fifth star, and I think undoubtedly this would have to be the greatest wide receiver class for one school of all time. I've not heard of anything like three five stars, if that's truly what happens. Right. So moving on to some other guys that are getting upgraded, and this one, these ones are for sure. Jack Sawyer got upgraded to the number one overall player in the 2021 class by ESPN. So according to ESPN, OSU currently has the number one overall guy in 2020 and 2021. It's nice to be Ohio State sometimes. And it doesn't hurt that a guy like, you know, Jack Sawyer – could walk to the stadium if he really wanted to. He's such a local guy. You got to keep him when they're that local. But between him and, and Zach Harrison, Central Ohio has turned out some massive D-line recruits in the last couple of years. Okay, and so now we're going to move on to our who's coming to town section, which it's going to be a lot of people. But before I do that, we kind of want to do a little bit of a look back in honor of Penn State yeah. and the Penn State game because, you know, besides Michigan, Penn State is – are probably our biggest rival recruiting-wise. So one guy that's just been an absolute animal for Penn State and one guy that OSU really, really wanted was Micah Parsons. Yeah, Micah Parsons, he was always going to stay local. He was going to be Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, where the last three that really, really wanted him. And just selfishly, I really, really wanted him. I love getting huge five stars at that outside linebacker you know, run-stuffing position, and he's one of the best in the country already. And how different things would be, you know, who would Pete Werner be here? Who who wouldn't be here, you know, if Micah Parsons was here? But today, Micah Parsons may show you why losing a recruit, how losing a recruit can transfer directly to on-the-field 
product because it's somebody we wanted, didn't get. But not only that, he may slow down J.K. Thomas today. He may have something to do with slowing down Master Teague or Marcus Crowley or Jamario McCall, whoever it may be. But you're going to see a direct competition from a guy that you really, really wanted. And I think that's cool to take a moment and not just – it's not just who signs today and who's going to sign in December. It's what could have been if other guys signed. And I think it's it's a it's cool to look back and see that kind of thing. Right. I mean, you know, anytime you try to get a five-star, it, it sucks to lose out to them. Yeah. And to a direct rival. Exactly. Right. I mean, we've we've stolen our fair share of guys from from Pennsylvania. Oh, sure. But it's know. only fun when it goes our direction, <laughs> yeah, right? You know, Julian Fleming being, exactly. being the latest of those, <laughs> but it's like you said, it's crazy to think about what could be with recruiting because we've also talked about how Rutgers at one time had both Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor right. committed to that school. Yeah. You know, and we're going to talk about another person that Penn State had which just the history is could be is already crazy and it could be even crazier story writes itself sometimes if if you didn't know justin fields and this has been making a ton of waves across everyone all all the news outlets recently but justin fields was a penn state commit yes he was he was committed to penn state i mean he didn't he didn't sign for them obviously but he had a verbal commit to that school before he ended up decommitting going to georgia and Penn State got to him really early. When he was a sophomore, no one was really interested in this guy. Penn State said, we, we want you. And he, he was committed. He had a relationship with the coaches, with the with the other recruits. And then, he by all accounts, he was all set to go there. And then the offensive coordinator for Penn State leaves to Mississippi State. And then he ends up decommitting, and then he goes to Georgia. And then we know from Georgia, goes to Ohio State. So... Just like we talked about with Michael Parsons, sometimes you try to get a guy and he can come back to bite you if, in a myriad of different scenarios. But it's it's probably going to be bittersweet day for James Franklin if things go the way I expect them to and Ohio State gets a big dub here. Yeah, it's just if you're James Franklin, you're like, man, we had him. Right. Like, just he was ours. Standing on the sidelines <laughs> watching Justin Fields beat you cannot be a good feeling if you're James Franklin or the, the recruiting staff there at Penn State. Right. I mean, just a couple dominoes fall differently, right? And we could be Ohio State come into this game versus Penn State's Justin Fields with Tate Martell or right. Matthew Baldwin as our right. quarterback. All right. And that's so that's a little bit of the past recruiting battles that – Penn State knows who had. Let's go to the current recruiting battles that we yes. got going on. Who's coming to town? Everyone is coming to town. This is the yeah. last home game for Ohio State, which means it's their last big recruiting opportunity for them. And it was always this one was always circled as like this is a top, probably going to be a top ten matchup. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, depending on what you thought of Penn State coming in, but this is always going to be the last home game against a really good team against a rival. If you want recruits to see a special show, this is the one you invite them to. And they so. got game day, big noon kickoff. You name the pre national pregame show, it's here. That's just another cool thing for these guys to walk around and see what's going on outside the shoe before the game. Right, because, I mean, the buzz is just different. When you get Penn State or Michigan or something like that in the building, yeah, it's, it's a completely different electricity in the air, and these guys are going to get to experience it. For the 2020 guys, I'm just going to stick to the non-committed guys. Yeah. Right. Uh, 2020... In the 2020 class, there's two guys, and both these guys are very important. It's mm-hmm. going to be running back Mayan Williams and strong side defensive end Xavier Carlton. So these are the weakest positions of the 2020 class. Mm-hmm. Running back, as we've said so, so many times. But also defensive end is it's more of a low-key um, absence. But there's only one guy on the defensive end technically side, and that's Ty Hamilton. 
Yeah. From Pinkerton Central. Technically, Jacob Cohen has played defensive end for his high school, and he expects to be a defensive end here, but most, we'll see about that. most outlets have him as a defensive tackle. Yeah. So technically, if that holds true, there's only one defensive end in this class. So Xavier Carlton might be the, the guy for 2020. Yeah, both of these guys, not they're both good players, but like to your very well-stated point, these are positions of need based on the lack of depth in this class specifically. It wouldn't surprise me if one or both of these guys weren't silently or publicly verbally committed after after today. But we're going to move on to the 2021 guys. I mean, there's a billion of them. Right. I'm just going to run down the list, and if there's any names that you really feel interesting, you know, shout them out as we go. But we got running back Evan Pryor, offensive lineman J.C. Latham, offensive lineman Jager Burton, offensive lineman Rayshon Benny, defensive end Aaron Armitage, defensive end Jason Onye, defensive tackle Michael Hall Jr., Tight end Sam Hart, defensive back Andre Turnstine, tight end Jordan Dingle, athlete Bryce Steele, defensive tackle Marcus Bradley, offensive lineman Trey Zun, offensive lineman Donovan Jackson, tight end Christian Burkhalter, offensive lineman Tristan Lay, yep. athlete Jansen Dunn, offensive tackle Rocco Spindler, cornerback Kalen King, wide receiver Jaden Thomas, offensive lineman, or sorry, offense. Outside linebacker Aaron Willis and defensive end Najee Story. All right, and then we're going to go to our 2022 guys. It's going to be offensive lineman Tegra Tishabola, linebacker Gabe Powers, athlete CJ Hicks, and wide receiver Darius Clemens. I mean, when you're a sophomore, it's not guaranteed that you're even going to be a starter. I mean, if you're, no. you know, going to be recruited this heavily, you probably are. Right. But at the same time, like, you got so much growing to do in your body and in your ability. And just in your mind and making football a job and not just something you do with your buddies after school. Right. All right. And so that's going to end it with our who's coming to town. Just so many people. I think the total number that I saw was 39 yeah. recruits on that sideline. It's going to be packed sideline over there. Right. And it's it's a nice opportunity for these guys to mingle among themselves yep. too and, you know, recruit each other. Yeah, and you and you see somebody like a Jack Sawyer who is now number one overall in the in according to ESPN. I mean, you get some of these guys in the twenty twenty one twenty two class looking at that and go, "That's the guy. That's the number one guy. Maybe we should go where he's going." You know, so they they need to get in each other's ear a little bit. Should yeah, be I fun mean, for them. You know, Jack Sawyer can go to Najee's story and be like, "Hey." Come with me. Come with me. Yeah. We can we can wreck some havoc. Right. I take up some double teams and you can get a bunch of sacks and then maybe you take some, I get some sacks. Like And then we both get paid. Yeah. And we both go to the NFL. So just a great recruiting opportunity. Even if the coaches I mean Ryan Day talked in his press conference like, Yeah, unfortunately when there's so many guys we can't really give everybody the face time maybe they deserve. Right. But I think that's when you're you know, OC has a ton of coaches, but also your players, right? And then the other recruits that are going to be there, we only talked about the non-committed guys, but the committed guys are going to be maybe recruiter number one on this recruiting trip for them. Yeah, recruiter number two, maybe the the whole national press, like we talked about, all the game day and Big Fox noon kickoff. And then let's not forget about all the guys who are currently or were in the NFL who are also going to be on that sidelines. It's, it's just going to be, uh, you know, for these younger guys, it's going to be really cool to look around and see what they could get into. And finally, we're going to end off this podcast with our rival watch. Only one big one here, and I think this one was kind of expected, but yeah. you know, it's still good to, to report on it. Oregon, they do nab five-star inside linebacker Noah Sewell. His brother's on the team. I believe they're from 
Oregon as well. Yeah, there, this was, we didn't really talk too much about him because he was never coming to Ohio State. So it's just one of the guys who, you know, if you make a fantasy list of guys, sure, you'd nab him. Oregon really seems to be building something. They I mean, do, yeah. Last I, year they got the number two overall guy in Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, and he is a monster too if you get a chance to watch him. All right, and with that, we are going to end it off our podcast recording on 11-23-2019. If you didn't notice, uh, Ken was not here with us today. You didn't get to hear his, you know, his deep voice. Dulcet tones. His dulcet tones coming through. He He's actually working on the broadcast for the Penn State-Ohio State game. Yeah, he's doing some work for Fox down there, so, so I, yeah, he'll well, be back I, next week, I very much assume. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's, he's living his greatest football life out there, too, so... We, we miss you, Ken, but that, this was Patrick Yen and Jay Collar bringing you State Secrets. Thanks for listening. And that was this week's State Secrets with Patrick Yen, Jay Collar, and Ken James. Tune in next week for even more Ohio State recruiting news.